a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. What are some lessons that electric cooperatives getting into broadband can learn from somebody who's been doing it a little while? That's what we'll be talking about on this episode of Story Connect the Podcast. My name is Andy Johns, your host with Word South, and I'm joined today by Sean Van Slyke, who is the uh, CEO of SEMO and Go SEMO Fiber there in Missouri. So, Sean, thanks for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. I'm excited to get into a bunch of our topics here. Right before we do just a little bit of housekeeping, I wanted to make sure that all of our listeners knew about Rural Broadband Today, which is WordSouth's uh, other podcast uh, produced by uh, WordSouth founder Stephen Smith. He talks with a lot of um, the heavy hitters in the uh, battle to bring broadband to rural America. Great topics, and that's at Rural Broadband Today. Um, so I, I know if you're interested in this podcast, you may be lis- interested in listening to that one too. So I wanted to be sure to um, bring it up. But the main reason we're here is to talk to Sean about some of the things that they've been doing over at SEMO and Go SEMO Fiber. And as we were talking, Sean, before we hit the record button, um, there are a lot of electric co-ops right now getting into to broadband with RDOF or either uh, considering it. But you guys have kind of been ahead of the curve. You guys got an earlier start um, than most folks. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the decision to get into it. So, so let's rewind back to where, where you were when some of the, you know, compared to where some of the folks are right now, um, when you were considering it, seeing if it was the right decision. Talk us through a little bit of that and, and what, what your pitch was and why you decided that, um, that you guys were the ones to do it. I think when you look back in time, we were kind of the early second wave, if you will. The first wave out there is you have Douglas out, out in in, uh, in Oregon, then you had Como in, in Missouri, you had Rawls County in Missouri, you had United in Missouri. You had some folks out there, some co-ops that, that were earlier than most, and we came in on the second wave, and we actually started looking at broadband, if you will. Back in July of 13, we actually did a questionnaire to our leadership team about bringing broadband to SEMO, and at that point... I'm not sure we even understood what broadband meant, uh, what that was, right. but we just started digging around. And then we started looking at, you know, could our culture do this? Could we handle this? Were, were we prepared to get into another business? And uh, we had some cultural things that we had to work through and build. But 13, we had a questionnaire. And then when you start looking at, at, at 2016, finally, we start really getting serious about it. And then our directors got excited because we heard a presentation uh, at our statewide a group from Jonathan Chambers, who now who was at the FCC, but now he's at Connexon. But anyway, he talked about the future of a fiber to the home, and we started looking at it. And uh, one of our board members says, if we don't do it, who's going to do it for us? Uh, I, I think in my mind, I thought that wireless technology would be much further along than it was, uh, but it didn't. And so we started kicking the tires and really looking at it. Uh, we looked at it uh, like a $40 million ice storm. And so we, we, we had the worst scenario that, that we could envision with our financials. So we looked at it and said, okay, if we had a nice storm like we did in 2009, that was about $20 million. If we had one double that, what would that do to our equity? What would it do to our rates? Uh, so we looked at the worst scenario. Then we looked at the opposite end and said, what can we do for our members? And that's when we, we did it. We actually had Barry Electric's uh, CEO come to us in uh, in, 20, in August of 2016 and give a presentation because Barry Electric was one of those first ones out there again. 
And uh, their general manager came over and presented uh, fiber to the home, to our board and our leadership team. And then uh, when you roll forward, we started doing our feasibility study right after that. Uh, we got our feasibility study back in January of 17, and our board made the decision in, in March in March of 2017 to move forward. And, and, and now uh, we've borrowed almost $50 million. Uh, we have almost 8,000 services installed, and uh, we're just keeping we're just pushing forward now to do more. Excellent. It's quite a um, quite a story to um, yeah, like like the board member said. If not if not you, then who? But um, so I guess full disclosure for everyone: we um, Word South has not worked with Simo uh, before, so we I'm not claiming uh, credit for any of the good work they've done. Uh, just to be clear, but some of the folks that we have worked with. Um, uh, Coleman Electric in Alabama. We've got them in an ebook, What to Expect When You're Connecting. That's um, either by the time you listen to this, it may be out, or um, or uh, it, it's, if not, then it's coming out shortly. Um, but SEMO is also featured in there. But one of the things in that ebook, um, and, and you touched on it, uh, Sean, in your uh, what you said just a moment ago, but um, at Coleman, they said that the move into broadband is going to affect everybody at the company in some shape, form or fashion and some obviously more than others. But so like you said, there was, there are cultural questions and um, staffing questions. One of the things that we always try to stress with folks is to equip their staff um, to, uh, to be prepared uh, for getting into broadband to be able to answer those questions. I know there was probably quite a bit um, that took place between the time when, like you said, that questionnaire, you, you guys weren't exactly sure what all broadband um, entailed to the point where the staff was ready to start selling it. So what were some of the things that you guys had to do with the staff um, to get ready for it? Yeah, and I'll back up just a little bit in the sense that we, you have to do your homework when you're getting into this business. And when I think back, I can think back in February 27, we had Lynn Hodges, who at the time, who is the CEO at, at uh, Rawls County. He even came down. He drove a five-hour trip, uh, you know, round trip, almost 10 hours he spent that day to come down and see us and go back and talk about culture. And then we visited probably seven or eight different uh, uh, cooperatives that had fiber, and, and that was a stretch for us. We had 15, 16-hour days in, in, in the truck I drove with my with the team uh, to go see what we were getting into. And what was interesting about that, during those drives, if you will, they all, I, I, I made them all have a yellow notepad, so on the way home, they prepared their presentations for the board. But what we did is we picked four, four or five people out of our, our team that really wanted to get on board. Uh, a couple of our senior electric folks are operations manager and our engineering manager, they said, you know what, we don't want to get into the fiber business, but you go do that and we'll take care of the electric side. And so when we started looking at fiber, uh, we really pushed forward. And then probably the first big thing we did to get our staff on board, and I think it was President's Day of uh, 2017, we pulled uh, the entire, on President's Day, we closed the offices, we brought everybody in, and we did fiber one-on-one for our staff. And we set up four different stations. We didn't even really know what we were teaching. Uh, we just know this was a, an optical network terminal, and this was, a, this was a, a thing that goes on the outside of the house, and here's what fiber looks like. Uh, I can remember setting up the monitors. We know that there's nine different software packages that we had to use to get TV, phone, and internet connected. We just set this up just to give a vision to Team SEMO. That's what we call our employees here, Team SEMO, what we were getting into. And it was difficult because we really didn't know at the time what we were getting into. Uh, 
Uh, but we figured that out. And so early on, we brought our team, we brought the entire team in and spent a day just showing them envisioning what we're getting into and sharing what we learned when we visited those other co-ops. That's a great idea. And it's funny you say that we're, we're doing a training session for somebody who's doing something very similar in Texas on President's Day. So that, that must be the time to do it. Um, so I, I guess the, the next thing then after you kind of get the staff ready, uh, the next really important part um, and we'll get to the fun stuff about how you guys have celebrated the um, the brand and everything shortly. But um, in terms of member expectations and, you know, you want everybody to be excited that you're doing this, your staff's excited, your board is excited, but then the work is hard and it takes a long time. So what, what do you feel like you guys did right or what are some lessons learned uh, there early on in terms of setting customer expectations and you know, being excited, but but letting everybody know it's going to take a little bit of patience to get a monumental job like this done. Our number one mistake that we did is when we published the schedule of where we're going. So to, to put this in radio terms, because we don't have any pictures here, but uh, we had 16 substations, if you will. We had no fiber uh, in the in the sense uh, we got two strands for our, from our transmission uh, provider, but but we really didn't have fiber out there. And what we should have done is said it's going to take us one year to build the backbone uh, to get started. And, and so we didn't realize, so we approved this in March, we started ordering equipment, and we didn't get our, our big uh, router, if you will, until about uh, December of that year. It just took that long to get some of these parts and pieces. We didn't know that when Christmas arrives that Verizon and AT&T and your big guys, uh, ladies, they shut down for almost three weeks during Christmas. They don't make any network changes. We didn't know that. We didn't know that going in. And so the vendors shut down, not completely, but they shut down too. And so we're trying to get all this equipment in. So we lost three weeks right away in December that we didn't realize that we would lose. And uh, we eventually got to do one of our first test sites, if you will, in January. And then I think in February of 18, we actually hooked up our first uh, first member. Uh, but there's a lot of things that we've learned that we, we could talk for days. But that's the biggest thing to say, OK, members, we're going to do this. But we need about nine months in order to lay the track down, if you will. And I kind of explain it like a, like a high school track. People can envision walking around that track. Uh, but each lap that I make... Uh, if you can imagine, I've got to make 16 laps around that track to hook up each substation. But what we didn't do is put a 17th lap in there. And we should have had a 17th lap at the very beginning to say it's going to take us this long to do this. And even today, even as we, we've gotten 8,000 services, uh, uh, we had a call. I just got an email this morning from somebody that's that's probably three miles outside of our service territory just begging for fiber. And, and we get those every day. We get Lots and lots of those every day. And it, it's frustrating because we can't serve everybody at this point. Right, right. Well, uh, and that's a good way to put it. Um, I like the analogy there. And I also need to talk about, um, I need to, there's people I need to talk to about vendors shutting down for three weeks at Christmas. That sounds like a, <laughs> that sounds like it'd be nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, in terms of um, the, the fun stuff, you know, as you guys, uh, you know, you're doing that backbone work, um, getting the network built. And then when you, you start connecting folks, you guys have done a, a good job. I remember seeing the pictures of the 5,000th um, person connected. Uh, you guys have done a pretty good job of, of marking those milestones and keeping people excited as, as the build has continued. And I didn't know if there was any of that that you wanted to share with us. Yeah, and I would share, I'll give you an internal and external external standpoint. We've celebrated every thousandth member that's connected to us. So 1,000, 2,000, 3, 4, 5. 
Uh, we go out and uh, we present something to them, blow a confetti gun, uh, whatever. Even during COVID-19, we, we, we did the 4,000th, I think, in May of uh, 2020. And then we did the 5,000th uh, in November, I think, of 2020. And, you know, we show up with masks, social distancing. It's not quite as intimate as one, two, and three were because we deliver a cake and a TV. Uh, but those people are just as excited to get that. And, and we do it. Uh, we don't stage it uh, for the most part. We we just go with whoever that number 5,000 customer member is, that subscriber. And they have a lot of fun with that. On the internal standpoint, uh, we think that everybody is part of the sales team. And so our our 60-some staff members, if you will, um, we celebrate. So when we hit 1,000, our board of directors actually came in and gave everybody a $100 bill, and we celebrated that. The board members shook every one of our our staff member employees' hands, if you will. And then when we doubled that, 1,000 to 2,000, the board came in, shook everybody's hand, gave them $200. And then when we doubled that, when we hit 4,000 during COVID, which was, uh, again, you know, uh, back in May of 2020, uh, we had to mail the checks because of COVID because we couldn't come together. Now the team's all focused on getting to 8,000 subscribers. So uh, we have 8,000 services, but we have about 5,400 5,400 uh, subscribers at this point. We're trying to change the language throughout the, the industry, if you will, uh, by talking about services instead of subscribers. Because when we look at electric meters, uh, we may have 16,000 electric meters, but we actually have 12,000 12, members, if you will. On the fiber side, we could have 50, we have 5,400 subscribers, but we actually have over 8,000 services. And so we're trying to put them in comparison with electric meters and fiber because when people call in they may have questions about three different services no different than a member might call in and have questions about six different electric meters and so the time it takes to help them and manage and navigate through all that i think it's real important that we as an industry think about how many services we're providing whether it's electric or whether it's broadband that's interesting so let's let's stay right there for a minute because um I mean, it says it right in the name of our company, Word South. Words, words matter. So, when you're talking about services, um, you're talking about if somebody has um, not just broadband, but some of the other services that you guys offer. So, you count those not just the one person with a broadband subscription, but that one person may be counted a couple of different times because they have other services that you guys provide. Right. So let's just take Andy at your house for example. Let's say that you had a house. Let's say you had a farm and you had a grain bin and you had a barn, and let's just say you had three meters there, right? Well, at any given time, you could call us about any three of those services, right? And, right. and we would have to deal individually with those because they're three separate services. When we, right. Even though you're getting a group bill, you might get a bill that has all three meters on it. Well, in the fiber industry, what we've learned is you may call in because you have TV, you have internet, and you have phone, right? So when you call in, you could be dealing with three different services, and our calls, typically our call volume for uh, broadband is much, much longer than it is for electric services. So when people call in, uh, they have questions. The other day we had an elderly lady came into our office, actually. She was there for 45 minutes. She was upset because her GoSemo fiber telephone service was not working. And, and our team sat and listened to her and talked to her. And by about 20 or 30 minutes in the conversation, she said, you know what? My cell phone's not working either. And eventually we get to the point that her hearing aid was out. And that took about 45 minutes to get there because you're always trying to say, okay, what have we done to not let her phone work right? What, what, what did we do? Did we update something? Did we not port something? 
and it, it just takes time like that. And, and uh, we just run into this. And what you find out, I often explain it. Imagine if our electric crews went out and they hooked that meter up, which is on the outside of the house. Uh, but then they had to go inside the house and show the, the owner how to use the microwave and then call back to the office, say, OK, I want to provision the microwave now. Now I've got to show them how to program it. And then I go over to the stove and I do that. Then I go over to another electric appliance. Can you imagine maybe 40 years ago or 50 when we sold refrigerators, uh, we probably did that. But our industry has changed over the last 20, 30, 40 years to get away from that. And now with fiber, we're going back into people's homes. And it's just not a simple process. I, I can remember early on that, that we had a 95-year-old man call. He was upset. It was Friday night. His kids were coming in. Uh, they wanted to watch the St. Louis Cardinals or the Kansas City Royals or both that night because we have both of them on our station, the Major League Baseball teams. He could not get his remote to work. And so I, I it's, it was a 45-minute drive. I get over there. He had his batteries upside down in the remote. Oh, no. So those are the things that, that you deal with, that people – uh, when we went on our journey before we started this, nobody warned us about those types of types of things that we were going to run into. Hmm. Well, and that's exactly the point that I have made. Uh, I'm glad that you brought that up. Exactly the point that I have made that, you know, nobody calls the electric co-op when the toaster doesn't work, but they're absolutely going to call the broadband provider when the smart TV doesn't, right. uh, you know, doesn't stream right or something like that. So yeah, it's, it's a very different mindset, very different customer expectations. Think about the internet of things as we move forward. Think how, think how the broadband and the electric energy world are going to start uh, coming together. So when I take my electric vehicle home and my electric doesn't work or my broadband doesn't work to connect those two together to the Internet of Things or my refrigerator is not communicating why I'm at work, is it my power, is it my broadband, is it my Wi-Fi, what is not working? And so think about the service industry that we're going to be into in five to seven, eight, nine, ten years Think about how dependent people are going to become on us that are doing both services. You're right, and it may not even be it may not even be that long. It seems like things are, right. are accelerating right. pretty quickly. I know I'm a a self confessed smart home nerd with all kinds <laughs> of smart devices around the house. So we could we could definitely spend some time talking about that. Um, but I, I wanted to move on. Just a couple of other uh, two last questions for you. One um, one being if um, the Friday feature is something that you have started putting out during the COVID times. And I wanted, I know it's not necessarily totally related to broadband or to um, uh, the electric side of things, but if there, it's a good spot, I think for motivation. So I, w I wanted just a cu couple of minutes, if you want to share just a little bit about that, because people can find that on your LinkedIn page and on the CMO uh, blog. But do you want to talk about just briefly about the Friday feature you've been doing? Yeah, I'm humbled that you asked. It's just something that I started right after COVID. I've always wanted to do something like that to give a weekly message, if you will, a video message that's positive, that that, that encourages people just to keep pushing forward. I have a say, saying, and some may agree or disagree, but whether we want to go to heaven or hell, we're always interviewing. We're always doing something. Uh, people are always watching. <laughs> I like that. And I, and I, I think I think at the end of the day, people, when I say always interviewing, oh, you mean for a job? No, I just mean the fact that as we live life, we're always being judged. People are always looking at us. Uh, and I have my bad days, too. But how, how, how can we help other people? How can we just sometimes just keep pushing forward? Because I have bad days. Uh, my team has bad days. 
Uh, our family members have bad days, but for the most part, we have a lot of good days and we have to focus on that. And, and COVID's given us an, a great opportunity to, to try to make lemonade. And I've enjoyed COVID from the standpoint that I didn't have to travel here and I've got to really had the opportunity to really focus on some things here at our office and, and with my family. And, and uh, the best word I've heard on, on COVID-19 is revealing. I thought uh, revealing is the best word to describe what happened because a lot of things were revealed, how people handled, handle situations, how we handled the organization, what we did to, to help our members and help our subscribers. And I'm proud of Team SEMO because we never slowed down. In fact, we probably pushed a little bit harder and faster. And uh, it's just exciting to see them do that. Very cool. Well, I think we could all use a little bit more uh, encouragement and motivation during um, this year. Uh, it's been pretty tough for a lot of folks. So I um, certainly appreciate that. And I'm I'm taking that and stealing that always interviewing uh, phrase. <laughs> I like that quite a bit. So, so the last thing I had for you, we've talked a lot about lessons that you have learned over the process of the fiber build. Um, but I, I wanted to ask if there was any other advice or any other lessons that you had learned along the way. You know, we talked about customer expectations. We talked about um, you know, getting the staff ready and, um, you know, all of that. But are there any other pieces of, of wisdom or things that you had learned through the build out that, that you would like to share with some of the folks who, whether through RDOF or something else, they are, are getting into fiber right now that you feel like you can pass along? Just a couple of things. I think one, I Internally, you have to focus on your in-house more than you have to focus on your outhouse, especially at the beginning. But even as you move forward, it's like bringing a new baby home or a new dog home to an older dog or a kitten or whatever, whatever it is that you're into. Uh, this new child or this new this new project, this broadband, you can't forget about the electric side of the business because all the balloons and all the confetti is all spread out about the broadband. But you can't forget. Uh, what brought you to the dance, uh, and that's your electric business, especially for cooperatives. I think too, uh, when we look at it, everybody now has a phone in their pocket. Uh, that we we believe here at Team Semo, everybody is part of our public relations team. Everybody's Team Semo is part of it. We get pictures from a lot of different staff members, from the linemen to MSRs to whoever. It's not uncommon for me to whip out my phone and we do an impromptu interview sometimes just to practice being prepared to work on iPhone. And as you look at our blog and, and our Facebook page, you'll see a lot of different faces on, on iMovie. We just practice it all the time, but we all have this tool in our hand that, that can help promote uh, everything. And then third, I'd say don't be surprised by the things that you run into because this is this is difficult business in the sense that you're going to experience things at, at, at the home level going into people's homes that you've never experienced before, whether it's people with uh, uh, less than ideal clothing on, uh, it, it might be somebody's oh, house might have a lot of cats in there and they might have a certain odor in there. Uh, you just have to remember that this is their lives and, and, and we're getting the opportunity to go into their house and we have to kind of block things out. And, and my background, I had a natural, natural gas and electric background as well. And so when you go in and light thing, pilot lights to help people, uh, you would see some of that, but you learn to block that out and you learn not to talk about what you see. You're, you're there to provide a service. And I've seen that struggle a little bit by some other folks. Um, sure. we've, been very, we've been very blessed to have about 30 different cooperatives visit us, maybe 35 now. We just did a Zoom call with a, a co-op in Canada. We just did one in uh, Virginia. Uh, before we were doing fiber fly-ins, and, and at one point we had nine different cooperatives here I think back in February of 2020, 
we had them here. But after COVID started, we started doing all these fiber fly-ins on Zoom now. So we're, we're very blessed and we're humbled that we've been able to help a lot of different co-ops in the sense that we're paying it forward like some folks helped us in the beginning. But we're, we're very blunt about what to expect. And uh, it is hard work. Uh, it is a 24-7 uh, storm, if you will, that people are used to in electric business. The fiber, the phone calls just never stop because people want it so bad and they're desperate for it in the rural areas, especially where you don't serve. They're just begging you to extend that. But at $23,000 a mile, it's hard to extend it everywhere. Absolutely. I think that's great. Um, those are some great pieces of wisdom there and um, some things that a lot of folks had not thought about. So hopefully this has been an uh, insightful um, podcast to share with folks. And uh, I appreciate you, Sean, taking the time to talk with me. Well, thank you for the opportunity and, and best of luck to you and everybody else. And I'm always available if people want to call. I don't have an office phone. My cell phone's out there and you can always call or text me anytime you need to. Wonderful. He is Sean Van Slyke, the CEO of Simo Electric and Go Simo Fiber. I am Andy Johns with Word South, and until we talk again, keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South, a content marketing company.